and welcome to Etc. Etc. I'm Aug Stone. Thanks for tuning in today. We've got another repeat guest on the show. Last July, my friend Liam sent me an email that simply said, you'll like this, with a link to Hedvig Molestar's first solo album, Echidna. And man, was Liam right. Great playing, killer riffs. I went and listened to all her stuff and was psyched she agreed to come on the show. And now she's back less than a year later with another killer album, Ding Dong, You're Dead. As soon as I put this on, I fell in love with it. It totally rocks. So I messaged Hedvig again to see if she'd like to come back on, and we had another awesome conversation. Before we get to that, a heads up that my Nick Cave's Bar memoir is now available at Dusman in Berlin, which I'm psyched about as that's the city where the misadventure took place. When in 1999, a complete stranger told me that Nick Cave owned a bar there, and without doing any further research or preparation whatsoever, my best friend and I flew from New Jersey to Germany to find it. The book is available everywhere online and at some independent shops around the world, Grimey's in Nashville, Atomic Books in Baltimore, Happy Valley in Melbourne, Australia, Book Booned in Berlin as well, a few others. They're all on my website, augstone.com. And I'm working on some new Southball stuff, which will be out soon. In the meantime, for this episode's clip, I thought I'd bring back an oldie but a goodie. Since Hedvig and I were talking about Metallica a bit, here's a clip from the Master of Puppets story. Now, Metallica's Master of Puppets album, you know? I mean, I started thinking, I mean, logical question. Who are they talking about? Who is the master of puppets? Jim Henson? Frank Oz? Some sort of other wizard, you know? Merlin? I mean, on the cover, you don't see anybody. It's just strings attached to almost invisible hands up in the sky. The invisible hand of economics, you know? Woo! Adam Smith, Robert Smith. I mean, The Cure and Metallica have sold a lot of records. Hands in the air, wave them like you don't care. But I mean, you gotta care to achieve that level of mastery and puppetry, you know? In anything, really. It's weird, though, you know? Cameo's Word Up also came out in 1986. Same year as that album. I mean, how amazing would that have been if Cameo did an actual cameo on Metallica's Master of Puppets? Funk it up, you know? Then there was that whole Genesis video, Land of Confusion, you know, with the Reagans and the members of the band, all his puppets. I mean, whoa! Came out in 86, too! Crazy! On the Invisible Touch album, too! Invisible Touch, I mean, that's like the hands in the sky controlling the puppet strings! Were Genesis and Metallica in cahoots? I mean, for what we do not know. Or even dare to tread. I mean, whoo! Is this what In Too Deep was about? 
And like, I mean, if anything, if Genesis are going to pick a thrash band to secretly work with, it have to be Exodus. But like they had I Can't Dance off that album, We Can't Dance. And, you know, Exodus had the Toxic Waltz. So maybe that's where it all fell through. But then like off that album in 1991, mind you, they had Dreaming While You Sleep. And also 1991, Metallica's Enter Sandman. I can't make this up. Coming together again five years later like that. I mean, not not ten years after. That that was a different band. But but two years before Master of Puppets, you know, Depeche Mode put out Master and Servant. And then two years after it enters Sandman, Nirvana put out Serve the Servants. Woo! I mean, this is boggling my mind, just boggling it right up. I mean, again, was Metallica, like, considering an all-remix album of that Depeche Mode too? And then we get, like, Battery and Damage Incorporated. Or maybe they just decided it was the thing that should not be. If you want to hear more of that, and believe me, there's more, whole lot more. We haven't even gotten to the answer of who is the real master of puppets yet. Can you guess? The clue is in the artwork of a very famous album. You can find all these, and there's currently 56 stories up at the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast, which is at youngsouthpaw.com and all the podcast places. So let's get to this interview with Hedvig Molesta, shall we? All right, we're here with Hedvig Molesta. How you doing? I'm fine. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. How is life? Life is busy, but good. Mm -hmm. Busy is good. Yes, it's good to have things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like last year, I had a lot of time to work on a lot of creative projects, despite everything else going on. You know, I had a decent year. I think that was two one of the best things with with the <clears throat> of 2020 that you got to you had some time to either think or work on creative things or get your mind around things that you maybe didn't used to get your mind around before. Like what? <laughs> well, I mean, when everything fell apart and you and all your plans that you thought you thought you knew how your future was going to look like at least for the next year, and then it didn't look like that. And uh, you, you kind of had to uh, rethink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's, uh, I don't know, I, I like to uh, to think positive about it, but I think that it kind of ev- made something evolve in a good way. And also, I think, I, I really think even though it doesn't feel good, I think it's, I think it's a good thing to have to rethink one's existence in a way yeah definitely <laughs> and you've definitely pushed through doing quite a bit uh, uh, yes absolutely some of those things were already planned okay but we were able to go through with them like the, the trio recording that was set to go this uh, last autumn 
okay, to this, be released now. This is the new yeah. record. The new record, yeah. Which rocks. Not, uh, I love it. It's, it's thank so you good. so much. <laughs> I don't think it's out in uh, in the US yet. I think it's actually the 23rd of April because of some shipping thing. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure if the record is available before that, but in Norway and Europe and elsewhere, it's already released. I know it's streaming. You know it's on streaming. Yeah, now I was able to listen to it. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. That's yeah. because, yeah, that's great. I, I, I just, uh, my, I got an email from my label, like, I don't know, a month before release or something that it said us released 23rd of april and i said i wasn't notified on this and he said me neither but this cargo or whatever uh, distributing channels says it's later but that is a very good day april 23rd <laughs> it's the day really? before my birthday but also it's the the birthdays of william shakespeare vladimir nabokov and jp don levy all great Are, writers so you're you're all set with birthdays in your head oh yeah <laughs> then your birthday will be on a saturday this year i know yeah it's, it, it would be exciting if one could go out and do stuff <laughs> <laughs> you think you you think you will do that no no i'm gonna just have a quiet night in with my family i think mm. get some takeaway <laughs> that's fine <laughs> do some writing during the day that would be perfect mm. Well, so 23rd would be a good but uh, but 19th of march is also good i mean that's a date. That's a day. Ring. So who's who's what's birthday? The what's the nineteenth of March? Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes. No, that's we, the day he died. The death of Randy Rhodes. Oh, yeah. such a shame. I know. <laughs> I wonder. I really wonder what he would be like. What he would do. I know it was. Yeah, just a I really liked. Years. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's that's a that's a cool celebration. I didn't know that. But anyway, that that record was planned. Uh, it, it it probably sounded it it probably sounds different than it would have been. Maybe I don't know because we had a lot of time to rehearse and a lot of time to kind of um, you one would think that we spend the time kind of throwing away material that we kind of didn't feel that we could work out. But we did the opposite. We just decided to stick with material that we felt was really difficult for us. Okay. So we had we spent so uh, even though we spent a lot of time rehearsing before we go into studio on each record this time I think was more than ever because some of the tunes were quite hard I think uh, especially those that in my opinion is a little jazzy. Of course when we when we play it on the record I don't think it sounds like that necessarily but those uh, the magic mushroom and the the art of being John Balkovich which is kind of more, it could have been when we rehearsed it, of course, it's not, we, we tried to do it in different ways, like soft and hard and something in, the, in between and spaced out and very straight. So we tried different versions. And if you, if you imagine those, uh, like in the very beginning of the rehearsal period, they kind of sound very, very straight, ah, yes. which is uh, very challenging because of course you have to, learn how to play something but it's very hard to, to to kind of play something and it sounds not like you think or hope that it will in the end yeah if you understand yeah so we ha we really had to shape some of these things by just playing it through so many times and and 
and uh, yeah, just getting really into the materials. Yeah, I guess it's stylistically they're a bit different than what you. Yeah, you think how? Uh, well, being John Balkovich is a bit funkier. It's probably the funkiest thing. Is that that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. It's sort Maybe, of a stop, and then it gets a bit funky, which yeah. um, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, one thing I, I liked about the record is like stylistically, all the songs are different, but they sit together very well as a whole. I'm glad to hear that. It's it's because that's kind of uh, often a challenge because we are I bring things to the table like uh, songwriting wise and also Alan so we try to fit it uh, and merge it even though it comes from different play, different heads mm. and uh, actually that the art of being John Balkovich was I really wanted to try to make <laughs> something that was more uh, uh, the way Alan that I, that I think I have to I have to try to kind of make a song that I think has more Alan in her, in the songwriting than I usually have. I mean, like she's writing very many different kinds of songs, but like the, the Laughing John, where she kind of parallel moves uh, different just triads. That's kind of a thing that she does, or she just moves patterns like in, in on Indian driving. She She's very, very, very good at making that work in a very cool way. So I try, and I never do that because I'm I'm thinking about other things. But this, on this being John Balkovich, I really wanted to try to kind of work with moving triads the way that she did. <laughs> but uh, it was very hard to make it work. <laughs> but at the same time, it was, it was fun. Just it, it was very fun. That thing was just very difficult to make to make it work. Like. Uh, I felt like a nineteen-year-old student, which, which no, I felt like a fourteen-year-old student actually, because nineteen-year-olds or fourteens can be really good as well. So I, <laughs> I pulled back everything I just said, but I felt like I was doing something that I I wasn't able to do the way I wanted. So we we had to play it so many times, and at one point we even switched instruments. Really. Um, Alan took the guitar and I took the bass, and she was lying down just because, you know, when you when you play something that is hard, and you kind of you you kind of get this attitude that is kind of very self-critish. Uh, you kind of ah, uh, you kind of get in a bad place when you play it because you're kind of being harsh on yourself because oh, this is you shouldn't play like this because everybody else has done it or I don't know. So we just have to break that up and uh, okay. make it playful again. And this song was important enough to you to see that through, instead of just uh, yeah, abandoning. yeah, because we, we yeah, absolutely. Because if we can't work something out, then that would be a bigger failure, I think, <laughs> to <laughs> us, or like harder to accept than just uh, accepting that I can't, I can't make this song any better than this so it's just it's just pride actually <laughs> i don't know it's just like running it's, no i don't know it's just like running when you're out of powers and you only have your will left it felt like that sometimes okay are you a runner i'm a runner yes oh, all right 
I don't run very, very fast, but I, I can endure. Do you, uh, do you get musical ideas while you're running? Absolutely. It's one of the places that I get the most uh, of my inspiration. I think like f- concrete musical inspiration when I listen to things or, yeah, it, it, it move, uh, my mind is moving in a different way than when I'm doing other things, cooking and running. Those two things. Yes. Apart from uh, obviously like shows and when I'm really listening to things and yeah, live shows. Yeah. There's just something I find with going on really long walks. I mean, I need to have my phone on me just to talk in ideas because they just Mm. come in once you're physically moving Mm. in a different way. Mm. I also find it very hard to actually uh, um, talk in the phone or with you while I'm just sitting. I prefer to move. Okay. Do you want to get up and mm. move around? Yeah. I, I prefer I prefer to speak on the phone when I'm on the move. So I always call my parents if I'm walking or I can't sit down and just talk. It's very hard. I have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so are there alternate takes of these songs? Uh, uh, probably, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. There are there are many takes of them, but they're not very. They're at this stage we're finished, kind of exploring them. Now it's now we found its shape. But the, but the, the Art of Being Balkovich uh, has a much opener shape when we play it live. Then there's a bass and drum kind of ish uh, long intro can be. But uh, yeah, and the ballads uh, also yeah that's almost one of the good things um, one of the good things with going into studio is that the, the songs change very much afterwards because yeah. when you when you're in studio you kind of this is what we settle for but when we are going to play live it's like the, something happens even though i think it's because maybe because we kind of find the structure that we are happy with or satisfied with we try to achieve that but in another way, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. And you've been doing gigs? Uh, we, we did some shows with the trio in October and some in November because uh, from the summer and until November, it was quite okay in Norway. Hmm. You could play shows for about 200 people and there were not a lot of uh, corona around. But then the, the mutations came. And then, so from November, everything has been shut down. So then the shows were canceled. And we also had uh, shows that were go now in March. Uh, we, and we did some of them, but some of them were canceled as well. So some, it's, I mean, COVID is popping up here and there. And if you have planning, if you're planning a show in that city, then it's canceled. On a, just a very short notice, we have been able to do some shows um, uh, to, uh, with our release here in Norway, which have been absolutely fantastic. And even though it's it's not many, it's only hundred people allowed. Okay. But those hundred are extremely happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and so are we. I mean, and we have been driving a car with, uh, yeah, bringing our own stash and avoiding flights. Hmm. 
So it's been, but it's been really, really, really nice. Are they virtual as well? Are they filming them to stream the shows? No. Okay. One with one was one show that was going to happen in January was streamed, and I think they are streaming it now as well because we're part of this kind of Easter festival. It's the national jazz scene. They are they streams they stream their shows now, but the rest of them we played in Molde, the city. It's uh, on the west coast. They didn't stream it. None of them streamed it. Jövik, Tins at small places. And uh, I will play Berg- Bergen and Stavanger, but none of them streamed it in Berina. So they were live shows only. Okay. But the people have to sit down in on chairs. Ah. Mm, you have to sit and you have to stay on your seat, like for the whole show. And uh, there are no drinks allowed. So it's oh. really it's a it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's uh, it, it's the different uh, to us. It means that we keep our jobs in a way. Yeah. Because th- these are places that are kind of uh, the structures in Norway. Are, a lot of the clubs uh, have funding, so so our our fees come from the state in a way. So even though they only have hundred people, they don't uh, lose. Uh, we, they are not depending on having a lot of people for for us to keep our fee. If you get it, yeah, right. So, so even though the government say only hundred now, then to us and to them, it's it's kind of the same, even though it's very hard. Tell me about the um, maternity beat performance you put on. Mm. Because that was the last time we spoke together, wasn't it? Yes. You were planning it. Yes. We were rehearsing then for this week and in the end we were going to, to have it live in Mold and the Mold Jazz Festival. I think uh, uh, that is by far the most uh, um, the work I've done that has kind of most instruments and most voices and most work. And most thinking and most, in a way, most, I don't know if for it to say feelings, but it's, I'm, I was very, very involved in that music for a very long period of time. And uh, it, I worked with it in that very special period from March till July last year. So the performance of the uh, was really really uh, i'm i'm lacking words to describe it actually but it was it was really big for me to go through with it and to be able to perform it mm. in october actually and release it probably next year i, I think oh okay mm. So um, is this something you would like to do more of, like working in that sort of setting? Yeah, absolutely. But then it would have to be, this was a very special occasion because uh, uh, the, the thing is in Norway, we have this jazz orchestra that used to play in for, I mean, 20 years ago, the, the jazz orchestra play with Chick Corea. They have played with Pat Metini, John Schofield. I mean, there are, there are kind of this... Uh, 
changing uh, shape of musicians that invite composers to make music for them or to they ask if they could rearrange people's music as wow. they did with Chikorel. Yeah, and the, some great arrangers in Norway, Aran uh, Skumsvold, fantastic. And um, But they have also included a lot of Norwegian composers and musicians. So there's everything from this, from a quintet with uh, almost free improvisers to large ensembles uh, playing, you know, uh, extreme windows of Chikorea and all of Spain and for, for a big, big, big band. And uh, I, they, they also have this grant thing that each year in Moldias you can, you can apply to write for this Ranyam Jazz Orchestra. So you write, you kind of apply for it and say, I have this idea, I want to do this. I have this, I, uh, I want to use these kind of people and I want to make this kind of music. And then they and this is like for young people. So you have to apply for it before you turn 35. So I did, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't uh, awarded it, but someone in the jury had read it and wanted to pick, take it up at a later state um, yeah outside of kind of this applying thing so it was only a couple of years later that they approached me again and said you remember that you want to do it and i said yes but in the meantime i had already made a kidna that was released just last year and also another thing so i kind of had spent some of those ideas but in another in another in another way so i had to take up again the, the kind of philosophical thoughts behind it which was also kind of a little bit old because at the time I applied, I was pregnant with my second child. And, as, and of course, the name Return to Beat, I was very into what, have, what, I had, what had happened to me and to my life and to my playing and to my ability to travel and all those kind of things. And I was kind of very into that uh, playing. It, it was very clear to me that or what I was doing with playing and making music and traveling, it was it, it became very clear to me how big a part, much bigger part of me that was than I maybe originally thought. But at the same time, I mean, nature knows only one way to become a mother. It's just being a mother. It's above everything else. But those are all those are at the same time parallel. But becoming a mother is an extreme blow to the, I mean the the career career part if it's a very kind of uh, uncharming way to call it to say it, put it that way but it's at the same time it's true mm. even though it's it's not a problem for me but it's like something that i spent very much time thinking about and kind of being aware of and and i kind of wanted to transform that energy into uh, actually concrete titles and concrete music and at some part uh, lyrics in a way so that was kind of the whole idea for um, the orchestration and for the music and for the development of the the whole uh, piece or whatever i could call it and at the same time it was the first time i've been working with such a large ensemble mm. Uh, and that week was very fantastic, but it was also very, very stressful because, you know, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people and they, we haven't, nobody had seen anyone in 
months. So it was blah, 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 blah. Year, they just put their horns down and it was blah, blah, blah. And I, <laughs> at the same time, as I was trying to kind of work on the music and figure out what was working and rehearse only those kind of people right now and you guys shut up and my mind. So it was very chaotic. And also at the, the day of the... At the day of the, we were rehearsing five days in Trondheim, and then we were driving uh, to Molde because of the festival. And we set up our things and had sound check the next day. And then at the sound check, the, the 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 venue had this kind of it was really bad uh, listening. Uh, what do you what do you say? It didn't sound good on stage. Okay. It was hard. It was hard to kind of uh, figure out where the instruments were, how to put the mix all right for playing in in the I know in the in the in the wedges, you know. Mm. Uh, and so we had this horrible uh, sound check. So I had to just go, and I right before we we had finished the sound check, and the the vocalist was kind of freaking out because they couldn't hear anything they had just one course in the monitor it was really kind of yeah i had to and i was chatting with the monitor uh, engineer and i was i think i was saying it's it's this g every time i hit this g it just takes over here i don't know but that's my problem but anyway i'm not i'm going to my hotel room now just to chill out and and I would and i did i went to the hotel room and i was just i know this is i had to you know you do this psych trick this is good music. I know how to play it. This can be done. Okay. We just have to give it a try. And if it doesn't work now, we have to just try again later. And got down there and last. Okay. Now we're doing this. And I'm just pretending it doesn't sound bad up here. And a lot of excitement, right? People from the festival and my parents and people's parents and expensive tickets. And, you know, nobody's go to live shows. So it's, I really wanted it to be good. So that's like, but when we started to play, everything was okay. Like sound wise. So that's kind of very smart. And a monitor engineer dude, he had just pulled down the frequencies of the G. Ah, yeah. And they would say, and then it solved everything. So it was it, it it looked like it was going to be hell, but it became very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was very happy about that, but I was also very stressed out a little bit. Also because uh, I have a very good friend from the city where I grew up and uh, my, my closest friend from there and her father had been very ill for the past months and he died the, the day before oh. this was going to be um, uh, uh, performed and also and because of this thing had happened so I had made something some of the music was for him in that in that uh, piece so I've been sending it to them because they were my uh, his wife was my my godmother uh, when my when I baptized as a fourteen year old, blah blah blah. It's a long story, but they were very close to me, so everything came down this week and to that very day. But it oh. it was it was nice. And when I was going to play that melody, that was for him. Of course, I was thinking about him. Uh, and uh, 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 second time I was going to play it, I played it wrong. <laughs> so I, it's okay, you know. You when we play wrong from time to time, and it's okay, but. It was, I kind of, I thought it was kind of a, a, a prank from him. <laughs> like, don't get too sentimental now. Just uh, yeah. concentrate, girl. <laughs> yeah, it all sounds very yeah. intense. It was very intense. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, everything hadn't been intense for 
it's been unintense for since March. I mean, so it was it was fantastic to be torn apart a little bit. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you say you played it wrong, how how wrong could you play it? I mean, I mean what was I? Um, it was something like this. And then I played, I think I played just, um, I think I played it like the, the third above. Ah, okay. And this was so, uh, a unis party part put together with the violin. So it was just, ah. it was just, uh, uh, the rhythm was right, but the melody was not supposed to be the way I played it. But it was just, it was just probably a second or two. But to me, it was, I wanted to play it from it. Yeah. <laughs> I will next time. <laughs> and there'll be a next time. Definitely. We are, we are going to play actually in the end of April at this festival in uh, Sodjas in Trendlag, outside of Trendlag. But uh, we are not sure if it will happen yet, but that is... And uh, if it will not happen in the end, of, if they cancel, if the festival cancels, I fell out. Yeah, I can hear you now, though. <laughs> okay, cool. No, they haven't canceled yet. So if they don't, if they still don't cancel after Easter holidays, then it will be a live performance in the end of April with this with the maternity beat. And either way, it will it will be recorded in October. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, when you were writing Maternity Beat and you're pregnant with your second child that you were thinking of the ways this changed your playing. Can you put that into words? Like how becoming a mother changes change your playing? I don't know. I, uh, no, I, don't, I don't think it changes my playing, but I think it changes my thinking around playing. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. People play, people kind of... Uh, have different ways of putting them their inner life uh, to life through their playing. Some do and some don't, and some. Um, but I think one thing that changed in my playing is that when I, when you have a child, or from on my part, I stayed a lot at home. Of course, I mean nursing and. Just, spending time with her so i'm not rehearsing with my band as much because she we are we are, we are not able to part physically for long periods of time mm-hmm. so that means for the second time with my first child i was very uh, focused on that i wanted to get out and play again as as quick as possible maybe quicker than i necessarily had to so that was that was kind of, but that was also much easier to manage. I mean, one kid, and then when the second came, I was more like homebound, and I also felt like it, I should be uh, present. It felt important to be present for them, even though they won't be able to remember it. It just felt more important. But then I played a lot more uh, at home, kind of uh, thinking when I was playing. It was more kind of how can I make things from this than I'm just rehearsing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of two different kinds of attitudes when you pick up your instrument. 
So because you want to kind of move, I want to, when I play, I want to move things on, I think. I just, I can enjoy playing, just going through the real book and just enjoying my sense of self and sending quizzes to my father, which is a jazz head. But, but, uh, but I think that changed a little bit that I, I, I wanted to move things forward, even though it was just me on the guitar. Mm. So I made, I made more things when I rehearsed after the second one. Maybe I should have just rehearsed. It would no, be I'm... easier to play being John Balkovich than maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is a huge life-changing experience that of course is going to come out through your music, no matter yeah, what I think so. Yeah, probably. But I, but I think I don't carry it with me uh, that much in, in that concrete way anymore, like with the trio, because that is my personal experience. And the trio is, they can't, they, I mean, Eva has got a child, but uh, the three of us is, a, we are a triangle. I mean, that's our thing. But I could do it uh, in the maternity beat. Then I could kind of allow my thoughts only or my feelings only it's very narcissistic but it was room for it there mm. in a way and i and i enjoyed it i think it was i mean i had two very experimental vocalists yeah. so I, we had a lot of uh what a lot of fun kind of try it's not pro it's not program music but in a way it's a little bit that at sometimes because i gave them kind of um what do you say I mean, uh, mama. That is also a f- something that you can use in in uh, in vocal improvisation. Mama. There's a lot of kind of sounds and and uh, overtones you can work with, but at the seal, at the same time, it takes. They could work for that for so long, uh, and it, and. All- only kind of the last, if they work for it like for three or four minutes or even more probably, how long can you work with that and make it interesting before you kind of show the audience that you can also say mama or make it kind of putting that very concrete meaning into it. So it, that was very interesting. And also it was, it was not the first time, but it was, I, I don't work with lyrics very often. Mm. So that was also uh very challenging because i didn't want i wanted this to be it's it's not a story about uh it's not a story about my motherhood or how i kind of define it it's more like uh it's and it's not like for women only or it's it's just how how I mean, because everyone's got a mother, even though you don't love her or you don't know her or if you love her or if you never saw her or if you don't care about her. I mean, there's it's a it's a strong relationship uh, ID uh, that I wanted to just touch bases with and not just for my own part, but like more also for everyone to connect, to be able to connect with it. I mean... Um, one of the the opening track, uh, it's just it's very hard to, to put words into something that is supposed to be a musical experience. But uh, that is um, the opening track is called 
uh, on the horizon. And that is about uh, uh, people that have to uh, leave their countries by boat. Uh, and that they kind of thought about, uh, it's not about being a mother, but it's, it's about relations more. Why do you feel close to someone? And what does making you feel close to someone uh, making you able to do to somebody? <laughs> mm. So it's that is it's more about that than about I mean my motherhood. It's much more that is that is what I kind of wanted to come to in the end, or then in or in the beginning, how we relate to each other and what makes us feel close. I think. And did you know the musicians you were working with? Yes. Okay. Some of them, I, I, know, I knew them. I hadn't played with everybody. But I, um, I knew them. Some of them I hadn't heard very much. <clears throat> it's Tolle Storleken on the keyboards from Elephant Nine. And it's uh, Torstein Loftus also from Elephant Nine. And also a percussionist. That is a very young dude, or fella, or guy. And then there's a double bass player, uh, which is uh, a, a Swedish girl. And those two I didn't know very much, but they play in the same band, and they are kind of very eager. Then there were um, yeah, the vocalists I knew very well from before. So the trumpet player, Susanna Santos Silva, is the same from the Echidna project, as is Torstein, of course. And then, I mean, the sax players, I knew them. And the violinist, I hadn't played with him, but he's very good, Adrian Lösadvode. And there was this flute player that I also hadn't played with. So some new acquaintances. So I was going to ask you, um, this is where All Flights Cancelled came from, which is on the new record. Absolutely. And did you, you said you would kind of rework the project when it got taken up again last year. I, I'm assuming All Flights Cancelled was new. It was. Because it there is like a, a fury, a passion in the playing on that that sort of encapsulates all the frustration of last year. Absolutely. It was new and I made it without uh, thinking about actually a specific project for it. <clears throat> I just made it and I and I thought kind of I thought it was very flexible because it was it, it's it's very straightforward actually so um, at this part I had written a lot of music for the maternity beat project with a lot of arrangements and flutes and violins and vocals and percussion and I mean, things, and I felt that it really needed something more like this. Just, just the band combo and more of a beat, and not this kind of. <laughs> the free improvisation. That makes you go crazy for a bit, you know, it's fantastic, but you need those kind of, I wanted to pull it a little bit back into the, um, uh, um, uh, yeah, 
as our a time maker. right here. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's very, it's, it's really like um, uh, for in a player's view, it's very, very good to have something that you can just just play one or two strings for a very, very long time. Uh, like in the middle of the set, it's very freeing. Makes <laughs> you just relax and. So that was fantastic. But then it was Ståle Storleken that had the, the solo. And that was also fantastic to just listen to of playing solo. Just play the melody and then he did the soloing. So that was also a great variation. So I think I, I'm, I'm intending to record it again with the, with the Maternity Beat project. Oh, nice. Mm. Because we had been rehearsing it with the trio as well. At the same kind of parallel times in May, when I was working on both trio materials and maternity beat materials. Do you know the Iggy and the Stooges song, Search and Destroy? No. Okay, it reminded me of that. It's it's a great song, and it's very, like, that level of intensity. And also the, uh, I think it's F to G sharp, that's mm. change is, is in that song as well. And I love, I just love that in general. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good I have to song. check. Yeah, I have to check that out again. So the first song, um, yeah, just rocks. I mean, and like it's got like the seventies sort of rock feel, and then it goes into that sort of more eighties metal riff. It reminded me of early Metallica. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's very funny because that is. I think that is. Um, the Leo Flash Return to the Underworld is a very good example of how we merge as a band musically because these riffs are mainly Alan, the bass players, but she she presents them in a, in a very different way than they sound now on the record. Oh, all right. As very many of her, because her musical ideas are fantastic and very... But this, when she plays it... Uh, it could be that riff was initially, I mean, one or two octaves up. Oh, all right. Like some kind of pattern on the top. Which would change it. And oh, <clears throat> so we had to, when we, it's like we play it and it doesn't sound right. How about we move it uh, one octave down, octave down, and then another one? And how about, so we, we have to really twist and turn and on those ideas and also that the opening riff was much what's it was another riff really it was lighter and the beat was totally different and the tempo not least it was much faster really like an up-tempo backbeat thing that she had in mind oh. and she was like i don't know this could fit anywhere we could put it in this song or this song or this song so we we tried it in in, in very many different places before we kind of almost threw it away because we don't make this, we, we can't make this work. And then Eva said, because we were like, oh, it's too, if we slow it down, it's too slow. But then Eva said, let's try this. And then it took up one of those kind of smashed symbols. This kind of sounds like a China, but it's not a China. That makes it sound like it's, it's, it's red, like the King Crimson red. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But then he played it slow and he played just this fantastic beat and, we got, I think we moved the tonality, so it's it was uh, you know uh, in a deeper way, and then it suddenly kind of was right 
but there are so many there are so many ways to warm i mean those that music sounds very very different but uh, but uh, and she to me it's that opening is kind of it reminds me so much of early king crimson thing like like 74 king crimson thing but alan doesn't have that reference at all and I think uh, absolutely early Metallica or even Tool that brief, but Alan didn't hasn't listened to any of those. Uh-huh. So she's so free, she's so blank, but still she makes those kind of things that sounds like she's got she's been listened to listening to very many other things than she has. And also that um, that middle part, the F sharp part, was originally also kind of um, more of a Balkan beat ish. Like very, but we have to hide that away because it's or else it didn't fit. But it, it's really kind of it's it's we're making our own puzzles, so it's really it's really interesting to work with that music. But and and but the 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 riff in the in the end there, the kind of ACDC ish uh, things. I mean, I would, if I heard that riff and I, and I thought that this is made by um, a bass player, I wouldn't believe it because it's very guitarish. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when it plays, this is classic. It's like very many open strings and it's like so blue, guitar blues, uh, rock-ish thing. But she's fantastic on those kind of things. Really, really. So I, I love to play that, uh, the ending of that song. It's my favorite moment. Nice. Mm. So we talked a lot about John McLaughlin last time, but in mm. the press release, um, it, it was a link to review in the Jazz Times, which pointed to some other bands that I was wondering if you had, you know, personal connections with. Is Sabbath? The uh, not Black Sabbath, but Sabbath. Black Sabbath, yeah. Black Sabbath, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Sabbath is, um, I think the most uh the influence that i've kept as a inspiration also today that i kind of i really love it also today oh, yeah. <laughs> the way i did the way i did first time i listened to it and I, I i mean that kind of magic is lost for me with many of the other things that made me want to do music or now yeah, if you understand i mean pearl jam i love pearl jam but but I can't get those kind of kicks of it when I listen to those old records. Then it's like more of a remembrance and I still love it so much, but it belongs to another period of time. But, but I'm still, I'm still kind of going crazy when I hear paranoid or fairies wear boots and Sabbath, Sabbath, those kind of things makes me want to, yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm like that with Van Halen. Like, you know, I mean, there is yeah, the okay. nostalgia thing, but still, when I put it on, I'm just yeah. like, you know, wow. <laughs> As I think we discussed in detail last time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like uh, March nineteenth, um, when I remembered there was the day Randy Rose that I put on tribute again because I. I mean, I, that was one of the life-changing moments when I bought that album because I was—I mm. think I was ten. You know, I hadn't really heard Ozzy before, and then um, 
yeah, uh, Crazy Train is just, I mean, it just, it's such an incredible song. I mean, it's, it's like a great pop song, but then Randy's playing and it just completely transforms it. It's, it's yeah, I kind of, I kind of didn't listen to Ozzy after he left um, Black Sabbath and I didn't listen to Black Sabbath after Ozzy left. That makes sense. Uh, but <laughs> but at, at the same time, this was, I was a jazz girl, so I didn't listen to this until I was pretty, I wasn't 10 years and bought Black Sabbath because I, when I was 10 years old, I bought, maybe I bought Paul McCartney off the ground. Oh. I mean, I was, and I, I, could, I didn't want to even smell ACDC because they had lightning in their logo. And I was like, what are they, <laughs> what are they trying to be really <laughs> get serious? I was really like that. I'm, I'm embarrassed, but I was like that for a very long time. It was like, this is, how can they put on makeup? And like, I was, I, I didn't even bother to look at it because it was, they were making too much faces. But my mind was radically changed. Um, but that wasn't in, in my, I mean, probably in my early 20s that I really kind of, yeah. All right. What about Zeppelin? And I, I remember someone put it on and I was like, I, I kind of had nothing to say. And, he, and I remember the person that put it on for me, he said, you have so much great music you have not heard. You're so lucky. And he was right. That was the world opened up for me. So it's a very, it's true what it says in that Black Sabbath is a big influence on me, even though I'm not kind of the, I'm not that kind of fan that knows everything they've done or at what time or, but the music is uh, very, very close to me. Yes. Yeah, I don't really know the records that well, but like, you know, the songs you said are just mm. like Paranoid Affairs for Boots, NIB, just mm. Mm. such perfect riffs. Like Yeah. Yeah. And the nerve. I mean, there there is a nerve and the way of playing, and I, and I must say the way Ozzy sings. It's very hard to pinpoint. It's very hard to pinpoint with words what makes it sound uh, so right to one like something does yeah it sounds very desperate but that's but but, but it still sounds like he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is a very cool combination and what about zeppelin uh, zeppelin i'm not i like it a lot and i have liked it a lot but i was never I didn't, I, I wasn't, um, I wouldn't kill for it as I would with Black Sabbath. Okay. I think I'm just going to change rooms. Just try this. Wait, wait a second. You got to get up and walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just see if this is, wait, if this works. Just a second. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. And yeah. Hendrix. Oh, but Zeppelin, I, I was, yeah, and Hendrix, the same way the, the, I, encounter, I encountered Hendrix before I encountered Zeppelin, and I encountered Hendrix more as, a, as actually more as a songwriter. I think I heard um, All Along the Watchtower 
because it was in in some kind of war movie as an intro for a war, war movie what kind of war movie is that probably something very very i know what you're talking when about. they're flying over is it vietnam probably yeah. is it i think it's is it um is it actually uh the is ugron it? no that not, uh, what's his name is it apocalypse now um is it either Apocalypse Now or something very, very different uh, with um, Hank? What's his name? The running of the run. Uh, the, okay, no, maybe this will come for a day. But um, <laughs> but I, th- I heard his songs and like Little Wing, it was a song to me more than it was guitar playing because at the time I didn't see myself as a guitar explorer. I was just into music and I tried to, f- to learn things by listening to things. And I think Jim, he made really nice songs <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't until later that i would kind of and I, I and and of course i knew that he was but people say oh he's a great guitarist but at, th- at that time i didn't to me a great guitarist was a jazz guitarist he was yeah. making nice songs you know <laughs> but i did i was into it and, and but people around me that knew the history gave me cds with him and and also a book uh, about his life and that was that was when I was kind of ten years old or something. It was it was like the basic things. Grew up here, his father, blah blah blah, and he got this this guitar and then he slept with it in his uh, in the bed. No, he brought it uh, with him in his bed when he was sleeping. And uh, and I tried so in my music classes in school. Not ten years. I must have been much older, like fifteen or sixteen. Then I kind of made that as a I translated it into, because I was a book in Norwegian. So I translated it into English about Jim Hendrix. So I kind of dug into, into that, but it was more like, I liked the songs. It was only until later actually that I kind of recognized his voice. I mean, when I was yeah, probably in my twenties as well. And his energy thing. Yeah. So I'll just talk to you about the, uh, the title track, Ding yeah. Dong, You're Dead, which is yes. very different stylistic, very atmospheric. Um, the very opening with uh, you know, the atmosphere, then your, the little single note line reminded me of Eternity's Breath, just like the first maybe five seconds or so. Was that conscious? Ah, oh, I had no it's not okay <laughs> i mean the eternity's breath marvichnu eternity's breath yeah Just... ah no but uh, no that is not uh, conscious but i mean that that music is with me at all times yes <laughs> so that could be just me trying to figure out what what sounds good what is the right choice here <laughs> so t- tell me about that song uh, ding dong, you're dead. It used to have another name. It used to have a, a name when I worked with it. It was called Kopang Blues, and Kopang is a very is a remote place in Norway, very very remote and very dark, a lot of woods. And uh, the, there are only two reasons if you stay at the hotels in Kopang that is, or if you stay in Kopang that is either if you are there playing school concerts 
or if you're there on rehab because they have a rehab there for alcohol abuse. And uh, so it, it, was a, it was a sad kind of atmosphere. Mm. But the thing with that, the thing with that riff is that it's actually a, it's a pattern that I used uh, uh, on my solo project, the Echidna for Antelone. Okay. So it's kind of the same pattern, only in a slower speed and a little change uh, in the ending. But it's the same idea. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's kind of the same patterns in a way, but only slower. So I was experimenting a lot with how could I, because it's very, it's so much, I love that pattern so much. So I really wanted to see how I could stretch it the most. So, yeah. Are you, is that what were you going to say? No, nothing. Um, what are you using on the guitar? I couldn't tell if it was an organ at first, but it's a guitar, right? It's a guitar, actually. Yeah, it's a pedal. It's I think it's a Canadian one. It's it's the Empress. Ah, okay. It's an Empress. It's it is a delay pedal, but uh, you can. They have this mode where you can uh, kind of modulate um, upwards or downwards, and you can. And with an expression pedal, you can mix the signal. Oh no! Which part are you talking about, by the way? Like three minutes in the solo part, the solo part, or the or the shimmering thing. Uh, I th- I guess the solo part. The solo part. I think that's that's just a regular kind of uh, ring modulator thing or something. Like around three minutes in, there's. The yeah. guitar line, well, it sounds like an organ line, but when I was listening yeah. to it, I was like, no, the way she's phrasing it, that's the way you'd play that on guitar. But it sounds very cool. Uh, it's either that uh, it's either that um, press pedal or it's a more regular, either in sub and up or a ring modulator-ish okay. thing. Because I actually did go and check the credits to see if there was any organ on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, there is no there is no organ there. It's the guitar, but it's uh, yeah, those kind of things. Uh, I think it's um, people have said I've asked about that before because I've I've used it for on the first record I I used it on the the red one on the kind of a B part or something there, and then. People said what you said. Now I had to check if there was an organ, <laughs> so I, I I use it sometimes, and because it's it's I think it's nice to when you are only three instruments, it's nice to kind of change the shape. Yeah, especially when you kind of have this kind of uh, oral uh, spot as Ding Dong or Dead uh, is that you have you have room to kind of experiment more with. The sound on a, on a kind of a closer lookup level than when it's just a lot of overdrive and drums and bass. <laughs> it's not as subtle then. Yeah. But I mean, the thing you're dead is um, the reason or the, the the reason that the title came on was that when I played that 
uh, I think it's, I don't, I don't know what you, if it's the refrain or whatever, but that part with I always felt that because I tried to play that a little bit off both in pitch and time. And every time I did that, it sounded like a doorbell. And then I, I said that after one take or something, I said, I always think, I always imagine someone ringing the door when, that, when I play those kind of, those two notes. And then the technician said, ding dong, you're dead. <laughs> because he remembered that phrase from a horror movie in the, in the middle of the 80s, you know, house. It's just, it's really a horror movie. It's like, it's, it's very gross. It's just this old house that is haunted, of course, and somebody's home alone. Children, and then, but uh, but the, the 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 movie poster is yeah, the house, and then there's a finger, really crooked finger, and pointing, and then the subtitle or whatever you say, it's "Ding Dong, You're Dead," and so it just felt immediately very, very, very right for that song and for the album. Yeah, the uh, the cover photo looked like it was would have been fun to shoot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It was because it's very fun with or fun. It's very um, it's very fun with Kim. He's making all the all the covers, of course, for uh, the label Rune Gramophone, Kim Yorte. And that is kind of something that you sign when you say when you want when you say I want Rune to release it. He says, "Okay, these these are the this is what you get, but." There is one thing you cannot decide anything about, and that is the cover, because Kim is just taking, Kim is making it, and you just have to. Uh, if it's if you really hate it, then you can tell me, then I will have to see what I can do. But else, you just have to take what you get. So when I started to work with him, I was kind of, I was really kind of asking him if we please could take pictures because I think that takes you closer to the artist. Because it very, he makes very many beautiful graphic um, covers as well, but most of them are graphic. So I really wanted to, to shoot, take photos with him because he's 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 a kind of a he's got another eye than many many other photogra- photographers. But then um, at this last one that uh, he asked if we could, he said, "Why, why don't you put on something very?" Uh, he get the music, of course. And then he says, okay, we can meet there. Would you have any suggestions? And I say, yeah, well, how about that park or that church? Or And there, of course, there's a lot of, uh, other, is, is there any power? No, there's no power. Okay, we, blah, 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 blah. And then he said, just bring clothes that have white clothes. And then I said, well, we have some, what would you think if we brought our silver shimmering metallic jack- jackets with, what do you call it, as a big, the big one, like pillowy. Yeah, the puffy ones. Yeah. And he said, well, nothing is better than metallic silver jackets with puffs because he thought I was joking, <laughs> of course. So the three of us came in like silver jackets and white sheets, but he didn't He didn't pick a picture with, uh, with the jackets on. So we just, we just were walking around and he told us to move around. So I punched an Alan made a bow and so that was the photo (laughs) so four candles the album closers another more atmospheric one it's it's 
it's melancholy, but not completely. There's like mm. little, like hopeful phrases, I think, in there. Yeah, maybe. I, <clears throat> it's definitely not very, it's, I, it's a ballad, but it's not very dark, I think, no. Um, that was also something something that I was working on at that period of time, and I felt that it it had something about it, but I wasn't sure if we uh, if it was kind of enough or if it, we were able to uh, communicate it outside of the, you know outside of the uh, rehearsal space. So I think. Uh, we we also had to play that. No, we didn't play that so much. We just we just played it enough so that we knew it by heart, and then it was. We just had to put something really uh, good into it the exact day that we are going to record it, and if that works out, then it works out, and if not, then we will not use it. <laughs> so we couldn't, yeah, we, because those kind of ballads you. And think too much about them. I mean, you can't you can't plan too much about them because then they're no not magic anymore. Yeah, they just have to be in a way uh, not communicated so much about. Or and and even maybe the the parts, maybe it's open when you're going to go to the chord changes or whatever. But I wanted the title to be. Uh, not too dark either. So I, I wonder. I was not sure whether I should call it four candles or four candles. Are you serious? That's where it comes from. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I was. I have that written down as my question. I was like, she yeah. possibly <laughs> have named it after the two Ronnie sketch, but that's what it always reminds me of. Yeah, so I could, yeah, it's that sketch. With, yeah, but we had a British tour manager uh, at some point, um, and he showed this to us just before we were going on stage at some point. And I think I laughed. It made me laugh for four days or something, because he had seen some kind of some some Norwegian take on that joke, and he said, "But this is this is this is for candles." I'm like, oh, what do you mean for candles? Haven't you seen for? And then he showed this one. So this is this it is for. Four candles. It's or four candles. <laughs> I'm so happy that. that oh, is. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really love that one. So it's so it's definitely um, a way of uh, not being too. Uh, it's not very dark, even though it's melancholic. You are very right about that. <laughs> Excellent. So what's what's coming up? What's next? Well, next up now is uh, uh, this. Uh, actually, now I'm mastering another record that I recorded in uh, 2019, <laughs> which is a commissioned work that I made <laughs> in 2018, which is a kind of odd that it's going to be. I think we are going to re- release it in November. And it feels a little strange because I made this before Echidna and I made it before the trio record that was released now. So it's a little strange to work with material that is so old and I feel that things have moved on since then. But at the same time, it was at that very point, it was important work for me. So I'm, we're mastering that, trying to figure out how to fit it into a, an LP size 
format, which is very hard. Uh, and after that, we are going to record the maternity beat in October. And then we will, as soon as the, actually today was a really great day because one of the shows we uh, had to cancel last, no, yeah, last year, uh, I got a mail from a guy in London today. He said, hey, should we look at the new date for this one? So I really felt today that things are starting to move a little bit again. And I hopefully, if we have, we have some weeks that we're going to tour now in, in the autumn. But everything, of course, is hard to plan. We don't, we don't know for sure yet. But I, I really, really hope that we will be on tour again after the summer. Yeah. I can't wait to see live music again. <laughs> well, excellent. Do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, is there? I've been, I've been talking my brains out. I'm so sorry. I hope you get to, I hope this works out for you. That, that was why I asked that you, you found something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me once again. So let's talk in November then when the next record comes out. Definitely. Cool. All right. Always a pleasure to talk to Hedvig. Do check out her new album, Ding Dong, You're Dead. It is awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to share this episode or subscribe, that would be much appreciated. Same goes for the Young Southpaw part of an hour podcast. Check out all that stuff at youngsouthpaw.com and at augstone.com as well. A-U-G-S-T-O-N-E. And now I'm going to play us out with the second track from the new Hedvig Molestat trio, Ding Dong, You're Dead. This is the killer, All Flights Cancelled. Mm-hmm.